Hi guys, your girl Lena Sanders from 101.9 Interstate Live Radio. Give you the news you can use while you're cruising down the interstate. Now let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to create and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast. I don't think you heard me. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Now, just go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Right here, go ahead and get started with your girl, Lena Sanders, on 101.9 Interstate Live Radio. It's Interstate Live Radio, giving you the news you can use while you are cruising down the interstate. Hear the latest entertainment news, hear news, current events, all about what's happening around you, around the world, in your communities, on your street, on your block. We are going to have the news for you. We're going to talk about it. We're not going to edit it. And we're going to give you what you want to hear. Also hear the latest music and also independent artists right here on Interstate Live Radio. If you want to be a part of our broadcast, make sure you email us at radio at interstateliveradio.com. That's radio at interstateliveradio.com. 101.9 Interstate Live Radio giving you the news you can use while you're cruising down the interstate. You're tuned in to 101.9 Interstate Live Radio, giving you the news you can use while you cruise. Down the interstate. Down the interstate. Down the interstate. Down the interstate. Well, welcome, welcome to the Let's Chat series as we are here today talking about COVID-19, parents becoming partners, and one of the main things we want to talk to is our educators that can give us some more insight on how to help parents like myself as well as those who are guardians to these children going from four walls of the school now to virtual and becoming uh, parents who are actually teaching and we have to learn how to teach from at home. So we have some wonderful individuals today who are educators in the school system. First, I have with me Miss Ann Davis-Head. How you doing, Ann? Oh, wait, I have you muted. Hold on one second, Ann. Hold on. Can you all hear me? Now we can hear you, yes. Hi, I, I am well. Good evening. Um, I'm Ann Head. I'm a restorative practices coach at a middle school in Atlanta Public Schools. I'm responsible for SEL, social emotional learning, implementation, PBIS, and also restorative practices. It's great to be with you all this evening. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ann. Next, we have with us also with Atlanta Public Schools is Ms. Tara Shelton on the panel as well. Welcome, Tara. Tell the people about, about yourself as well. Greetings. My name is Tara Shelton, and I'm the social social emotional learning coordinator for middle schools, and I'm also the district coordinator for um, PBIS. And I hail um, from Alabama, born and raised born in Alabama, but raised in Atlanta, Georgia. And I am a proud product of HBCU, Tennessee State University. All right, HBCU. Also, welcome to the panel, Miss Anna Shea Wright, also here with us. How you doing, Anna Shea? Thanks, Anna Shea. How are you? How you doing? Doing great. 
Excited to be here. Anishé Wright, uh, CEO and founder of Disruptive Partners in Education. I'm also a consultant to uh, district leaders, school leaders. Um, I've worked uh, at every level of the K-12 system making recommendations. Um, I also like to consider myself a disruptor with purpose. I believe in the promise of every child. Um, I am a mother, certified educator, and a proud graduate of DeKalb County Schools, Decatur, Eastside, represented tonight. Awesome, awesome. One of the things that we're coming here today to talk about, because as we know, we have parents now that have to become teachers. And so it can be a stressful situation. It could be a situation to where it's mind boggling. They have no idea what to do. What is some advice first you can give to these parents that have to transition from their careers that they do every day now have to also become the teacher? And we can start with Ann. Well, I would um, give some advice of um, take it one day at a time. Um, take some deep breaths. You, you will get through it. And also make sure that you have a su support system, whether that support system is friends, neighbors. Um, it can be some colleagues. Just make sure you have a support system and that you keep a routine. And so I'd like to offer in agreement with Anne that you offer yourself grace. This is something new for each one of us. No one could have predicted at the beginning of the school year that you would serve as both a parent and a teacher. Most people who are serving in this role have not been trained uh, formally to be teachers. So offer yourself a little bit of grace. That what you're doing is just what you should be doing. It is enough. You are doing all that you can. And just remember, you are always your child's first teacher anyway. So you're just stepping back into a role that you were born and created to do. Right. Anna Absolutely. I agree. Um, grace is important. Um, I think um, starting with yourself, with the kids, the teachers, at the same time, finding that balance because kids do have to return to school. And so I think, you know, COVID-19 has been both a blessing and a curse, the opportunity to take a step back and really get clear on what you believe, number one, the purpose of education is for your child, a chance for you to observe what they typically do uh, throughout the course of a day in school, and a chance for districts to actually elevate the role of parents, because right now the best partner schools have are parents. Um, so I think it's a time to pause, a time to reflect, um, a time to grant grace, but of course grace with guardrails and uh, boundaries. That's awesome. So with this is happening now, what should the parents be doing? Now you gave them some advice in regards to uh, their support and so forth. But what should they be doing to continuing learning within the school system, as well as partnering with the teacher to make sure learning is still in effect? Well, I would suggest um, that uh, one parents um, have uh, some sort of structure. They keep a structure because uh, our students, our children need that structure. So um, have a set routine every day of getting up, um, having breakfast, uh, lunch, taking a, a brain break, um, completing work assignments and going outside to um, have some physical activity as well. I'd like to piggyback on what Anne is saying about the completing assignments. I think it is vital that parents are aware of everything that is required for their student to move on. Um, there have been, listen, as, as a school district, we're making changes um, weekly, just making adjustments because once again, this is something that's new, brand new, and we have never had this happen before. So there have been many adjustments since March, since March the 13th. And so that teachers, teachers who are serving, parents who are serving as teachers need to be abreast of what's the changes 
uh, are happening in their schools. And one of the ways to do that is to make sure they're in constant communication with the, with the teacher. Most teachers, um, first of all, shout out to teachers. Uh, most teachers are serving as partners in this work. And so they have office hours, they have schedules, they have resources. There are a bevy of resources that are available on most schools' websites. And so I think it's, it's vital that parents take advantage of those resources that are being offered. What is also happening is that a lot of the partner partnering um, educational sites are offering free opportunities for, for parents to gain some skills that they may not have already had previously, because this, once again, this is not a world role that they're in, um, used to serving in. So I think it's important that um, everyone recognize you may need help in this work. And it is okay to go and ask for the help that you need and accept the help that you need and whether it be from your school support system or your, um, your friends who are also serving as teachers in this work. Well, as a parent, my daughter is home as well. And I, I used to homeschool. So it's kind of sort of easy for me to go into that role because I've been there. But those parents who were career oriented now have to go change their lifestyle. They're thinking more about survival versus education. Absolutely. What would be the most important thing that you would say to them? Because they're like, okay, I still have to fend for my children. All the, all the jobs have sh shut down. Some may have opened, but I still have to survive and make sure that my kids are eating every day. And now you want me to be the teacher too? How can I do all this? I know there's stress, there's anxiety, there's so much that's dealing with this. What can you say to those parents to assist them? Yes, I, I definitely want to jump in there. I think the Northern Star for me, so again, I wear the hat of being a certified educator taught in Gwinnett County Public Schools. Um, I'm a mother first. Um, and then I've also had the unique opportunity to see it from a systemic lens. And what I will tell you is number one, we have to leave the humanity right of everybody. Um, at the end of the day, we have to meet the whole need of the child. And, and what I tell people is COVID-19 again has taught us a valuable lesson, uh, you know, disrupt or be disrupted. Yeah, understand what I'm saying. And that means disrupt our thinking, disrupt the moves we make. I think it's also important for parents to know that they don't have to do everything, right? It is a partnership. And a partnership means we, 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 we both carry the burden, right? We both balance the weight. And, and when we think about that, the best thing a parent can do is actually have a clear ask of the district. I do not think parents have to know how to do everything, but I think the districts need to understand how to navigate the systems. And I'm actually not navigate because I'm not a fan of navigating anything, but they actually need to understand the system in a way that they can fully harness it. And um, I think, I think critical thinking is required. You know, a lot of times we want kids to be compliant, dependent learners when actually we have to be independent, critical thinkers, right? And, and make the moves um, based on the humanity of a child, meeting the social, emotional need, uh, meeting the intellectual need, you know, um, meeting the comprehensive needs. But the biggest thing I tell parents is you don't have to know how to do everything. I'm a certified educator and I still get community-based support, um, all types of support, but you do have to have a clear ask and you have to know the routes to go about asking for the support you need. That's awesome. And, and I also would like to add to that. I, while I serve as an educator, um, I'm going to be very clear. School is different from when I was in school. And even, <laughs> and now that my daughter is in middle school and headed to high school, um, we didn't learn the same way. So there have been some adjustments that I've needed to make in order to assist her. And I've had to, um, I've had to be clear that I've had to do some, a little bit of learning on my own, but I also recognize there has to be a balance. 
there has to be a balance when this is all that I can do at this time and you have to just shut it down and, and, and allow your student to be an independent, as Anna Shea mentioned, to be an independent learner. The student also has to take some responsibility for this, for this learning as well. Um, I recognize that, that it is a different space and it may look different for students, but they're used to what learning looks like. And so sometimes they may have to, they may have to serve as the lead. They may have to be the one to say, mom, this is how we do it in school, or dad, this is how we do it in school, or grandma, whoever's serving as a teacher at this point. This is how we do it in school, and, and offer it so it can be a partnership between everyone who's involved in the learning. It shouldn't come from just one source. So I think it's important that there's a collaboration that's happening between the student and the parent, so that it, neither, one of are being, neither one of the uh, parties are being stressed. Yes, and also um, castle.org, C-A-S-E-L.org. Castle.org offers um, something for parents called SEL 101. And um, it's, a, it's an informational video about how, how parents can help to support their children um, as well, their social and emotional needs, as well as their own. So um, that would be a helpful tip for parents too, because there are helpful um, uh, websites out there with um, information that can assist them in every aspect that they need. And I noticed there's something in the chat box. Were you able to? There's something. I didn't see anything in the chat box. I, I don't, you see something as well? In the chat it says welcome. Oh, oh I did that. I did that welcome. Yes. Elena, there are a couple of people that said they're trying to get in and they can't. Uh, do you have any instructions yeah, I, for that? I'm actually hitting, once they come in, I hit the admit button so I can see it on my side to show that they actually come in. So they should be, Zoom tells me when they're coming in the actual uh, box. So I, I actually hit the admit button. So if they come on in, it, I should be able to see it on the side to let them all in. Okay, I'll tell them. Thank you. No problem. So for those who are just tuning in, we are talking about the partnership with parents, the school doing COVID-19. Feel free to put any of your questions in the chat box. We have professionals here with Atlanta Public School System, as well as in Georgia. Georgia in, in, in a whole, in its entirety, talking about different things to help you get acclimated with going from the four walls of the school into your home and going a little bit further and a little bit deeper. How can parents turn their homes into a place for education, for learning? Because students are normally known to go home, do certain things that it's a different lifestyle. They don't coincide home with the school building. So how are they going to turn all of that into a different aspect to think I'm now at home learning? Well, I think first of all, what has to happen is you have to set up a culture of learning in your, in your school. And that means setting up an actual learning space in your, that is only used for that. Um, so it can't, in some instances, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying that because in this, there may be some places where um, students may not have that luxury depending on where they live. And, I, and I'm clear to understand that that may be true. But it doesn't have to be a large space. It could actually be a, one side of the wall where all of the students' learning materials are just in its place. And when you go to that spot, that lets the child know that this is time for learning. And, it's, and it, can't, it can't hold two different, um, two different um, needs. It needs to be just that time for learning. This is the chair I sent in every single day. I make sure that I come downstairs and outside of my room and make sure that I get up and get dressed and come down to my learning space. And this is why I stay so that I can ensure that I put on my thinking brain and get engaged into the learning. 
um, that's one of the ways that um, students can, that parents can make sure that their students are engaged in learning is set up a place that is just reserved for learning. And also, just to piggyback on what Tara said, um, PBIS.org um, has uh, something called Positive Solutions for Families, uh, Positive Solutions um, with eight practical tips that parents can use with their children. Also, parents can set up expectations within the home of what's expected in the learning environment, what's expected outside of that, such as, you know, taking care of chores and different things like that, so they can keep that sense of normalcy. Um, so uh, that would be helpful. And um, a little bit deeper is uh, there are free resources available to parents, such as Wi-Fi. Um, Xfinity and Comcast are offering free uh, Wi-Fi um, to families uh, through this uh, pandemic that we're going through. So th those are some helpful tips. So if uh, a family is in need, there are um, resources available. Absolutely. I um I agree. And I, I, what I love about this is just um, us giving these perspectives and these lens at every level. I would definitely say um, the teacher in me, the educator in me wants to make sure the parents also start to learn some language that they will hear a lot, which is asynchronous learning and synchronous learning, asynchronous learning and synchronous learning. Right. And that is really uh, the times that kids will have that time independently to think but also that time that they should be interacting with a human being because that is where you really get social emotional learning. And so what parents will start to hear is that language, right? And so I want to make sure that everybody listening understands that it should be a balance. So an excellent learning experience right now and when school returns is one that is both interactive, um, one that meets the human needs of people, but also gives time for deep independent thinking. Um, so again, if you are just doing a bunch of packets, all day, you are not getting both. So, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you are minimizing the pushing of packets, <laughs> right? And, and, and make sure that you are maintaining a balance. So to every parent, you'll start to hear this language, make sure that you are empowered to understand what they're talking about. Mm. And I was going to ask that question, the packets versus uh, they're having live teaching, just like Zoom. Which one which one would you think would be more of a learning experience for the student? Especially with parents who, I can tell you from experience, we learn math completely differently. <laughs> this new math, I mean, I would love to help my daughter with it. I, I think I'm intelligent in my own way. But when I see this new math, it's not the same type of math that the way that I learned it when I was in school. So that could be a little bit frustrating for parents. So what do they get help when they need help when they're given packets or where does their assistance come from now that that time has changed? Well, you know, different school systems are using different things such as Google Classroom. You also have uh, within that Google platform, you have um, meets or hangouts um, and Microsoft has um, a, a platform as well. So the one to one being able to see um, each other that is probably the most important because uh, teachers can use the whiteboard. They can uh, work problems out for students live and the students are understanding. I've even seen comments from students in uh, the Google platform that says, thank you. This is just like I'm still at school with everyone else, except we're just not in the same place. So, um, you know, there, there are um, means for students to have that interaction, although they may not physically um, be in each other's presence. 
But unfortunately, I have to mention this. This, is, this pandemic is exposing inequities that are happening in our school systems. And so unfortunately, there are reasons why some schools are, ha some schools are having to offer packets because we, there's a, a numerous amount of students who don't have access to either the technology or the Wi-Fi that's required to ensure that they can even um, gain um, some instruction from their teachers. So that's it's important to know that there's some, some serious inequities that are happening in our, in our system, not just in Georgia, but across this nation that are being exposed to this pandemic. And so in, in some instances, you may have to use a packet because you don't want learning to stop, but there has to be some ways to think about how can you make that packet come to life. And it may be just, as Anna Shea mentioned, it may just be where you're both reading the problems, you're both solving the problems together, where there's some independent thinking time where you don't, when you give your child the opportunity to do some productive struggling, which means you wait, you wait, you give that child a time to figure it out, to come to a, a, a solution pathway on their own. And then you may, may have to provide some, maybe some manipulatives or some clue ways or some probing questions to get them there. Um, but, but I think it is, it's vital to, to recognize that this is a point where we have to teach our students to think critically. That we yes. can't just provide the answer to them. Even if it's from a packet, you can teach a child to think critically from a packet by having them just to break down what the question is asking. So even though there may be some inequities, there are some ways for parents to just take maybe one or two questions off that packet and really delve into how we, we've gotten the answers to, what, we, to what, we, what, what the teacher is asking, where it's not just checking this office a compliance piece, but there's a real commitment to the learning that's happening in the home. And Here's, here's the thing. So thank you for saying that as far as like uh, Tara, as far as exposing the inequities, because they are real. And these are inequities that have been there since the inception of a system. Right. But I'm not going to we're not going to go there today. Right. What I will say is. So it's so many levels to this. I mean. So, yes. Right. If. Here's what I'm going to say, right? I keep, I hear a lot of, I'm, I'm trying to just be PC up in this time. Here's the thing, right? I've heard several people across the country talk about, right, the technology, right? I grew up, my mom passed away at a very early age. My teachers, um, shout out to Linda Queer, who is on this line right now. She is the wife of my high school band director. They wrap their arms around me. I grew up on food stamps. I didn't know people paid for lunch till I started teaching. I was like, oh, kids pay for lunch, for real? <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know that. But what I will say is, let's stop playing this hypothetical game and ask some very real-ass questions. Number one, if you pride yourself on being a one-to-one -one district, and by March you did not know which kids had access to the internet, those are the things that make you say, hmm, that's number one. Number two, is where are the principles that are requiring every teacher to reach out to parents, especially in the K-5 setting, to actually ask who has access to technology? That's number two. Number three, log in and see who's actually touching the online platforms. Technology is in the form of computers, phones, Kindles, all type of thing. I, like we keep throwing out this numerous and this inequity gap as far as technology. Yes, they exist. But I've also seen places where they've organized pickups of technology for kids, right? Um, I just don't know what the real number is. And again, this is why parents, I urge you to not have all the answers, but to know how to ask the right questions mm -hmm. and to stay on it. So that's, you know, I, it's exposing inequities that have been there. And, you know, people told us what couldn't happen with testing. This is your time to be most creative because you don't have no state testing. 
So mm -hmm. parents ask, why is my child still doing a bunch of test prep, right? And there could be a very real answer, but ask the right questions. If you know good and darn well, there's no test this year. Where's the project-based learning, right? So again, it is not to pass judgment because I am a certified educator, K-5. I'm also middle grades and I'm also K-12 special education. So by no sense of the word am I minimizing that, I'm saying parents, your biggest role is to sit back analyze how your kid is doing because some kids are actually doing better at home because of less trauma from things like the school to prison pipeline it pushes kids out of school quicker than it pushes them in so while there are several challenges there are also unique opportunities and my biggest thing i plead to you is to say sit back deepen your understanding of what's happening and know who to bug the hell out of to ask and get clear on what you need for your children. Well, I, I'm going to have to say shout out to Atlanta Public Schools because when I tell you our technology department has, has, all I can say is shout out to Atlanta Public Schools. They have really gone above and beyond to ensure that students are being fed, that they're getting technology, That's right. that they are signing on. We get a report weekly about the percentage of students who are signing on. And we get names of kids who have not signed on and they're assigned to this person to call and that person to call. There has been a real push to ensure that our students have what they need. Now, no, we did not suit homes for, for learning. We didn't. I, and, and I don't think anybody thought to do that previously. That was not a way, you know, that's just not the way that our education system was run, that we need to make sure that there was a school learning environment and a full home learning environment. Who could have predicted that this would happen? But now we know moving forward, this has to be a part of our plan. We have to ensure that every student has access to a full school learning environment and a full home learning environment because we don't know when this pandemic is going to be over. We don't know if this pandemic is going to happen again. All we know is that it is only fair that every child has access to the learning. And it should be across the board and it should be equitable and every student has that right. That, that's awesome. So where do you guys see learning going after this pandemic? Is it going, are they gonna be able to go back to the way they used to be? Where do you see it? How, how is it going to change now that we've gone through this pandemic? Well, we're still in it, but we're going through this pandemic. Yeah. If, I think if things don't change, it would be a tragedy. It, it would be a tragedy. I'm, I'm blessed to, so my children are enrolled in school, in, in traditional K-12 school, but I'm also blessed to be a part of something called Liberated Minds Homeschool Network. And so every day from nine to 12, my children engage in both synchronous and asynchronous learning. Um, shout out to Kibole Bole Learning Institute for my middle schooler and to Kilombo Cultural Learning Institute. One thing I will say is that my eighth grader is now taking a class called Politics and Pandemics. Mm. And so what has to change for me is that the K-12 system must set kids up to solve the next pandemic before it happens. That is what has to change. The level of deep thinking that my son is doing, he wakes up every day excited doing things that most schools, a lot of traditional public schools would have said, oh, that's too hard for them, right? They need to be, you know, complying, follow the rules, single, silent, and straight. But you cannot ask kids to make deep, critical, meaningful decisions if you don't let them have some choice and make deep, critical, meaningful decisions every day in the classroom. So for me, what has to change is education for liberation. Like equity is on the pathway to freeing my child to solve the problems like pandemics before they happen. So that's what has to change for me. 
And as we we talking about change, let's let's go a little bit further into the mindset of the children because we did speak a lot on parents. How do you think that kids are now feeling? Now we have high school seniors. Who would ever thought I could not even phantom if I did not have my prom or I couldn't graduate or walk across the stage. So let's go into the mindset of the children now, those who, especially high school seniors, how do you deal with them not being able to have that, that memory? Their memory now is going to be of a pandemic, not their high school senior years. So I want to just say that in Atlanta Public Schools, we have a hashtag for our seniors. Shout out to um, Venetia who helped one of our students to come up with this hashtag and it's hashtag worth the wait. They, they are worth the wait. So the graduation will happen. It's going to happen later on in the summer because the students are worth the wait. They worked, they worked really, really hard to, to be able to walk across that stage. I think it also is a um, understanding that what you consider an achievement may have to be internal. Your, you, there may not be an extrinsic um, acknowledgement of, of what you've done. So you may have to start deciding that I'm, only, I'm going to be doing this work for myself that there, there's an opportunity that something could be snatched away from me just that quickly. And am I doing it just to walk across the stage or am I doing it for the purpose of the real learning? And so now I think that's what people are starting to recognize. You cannot prepare for a test because the test just may not be there. We need to be preparing students for the actual learning that's going to happen and being a part of their future. So when we think about these seniors, now they're starting to recognize that all of the things that I thought maybe were so important, or maybe I'm shifting what that means and starting to decide how am I more of an independent um, thinker in my own life? What's really important to me? What is really a priority for me? Because education, when I thought it was supposed to be this way, guess what? It just may not be. So now I have to decide for myself what that means for me and what education looks like for me because the system can't decide that for me. Oh, wait. I think it, hold on. It, uh, I think it muted you, Anisha. One second. No, I muted myself. That's oh, me. okay. Because <laughs> I'm back here saying, amen, child. <laughs> no, I no. think, too. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think, too, it's um, allowing for um, families to be able to come together and become creative. Um, you know, I, I see different things being celebrated, like birthdays and um, uh, uh um, milestones in life and uh, getting down on one knee asking their daughter if they will go to the prom with them laying their coats down so they can walk across you know um, and uh, parents you know going above and beyond to make sure that their children still do have you know nice memories for ages to come because um, it's new for all of us but um, I think uh, the family unit is um, hopefully getting stronger um, with what we're going through and maybe pe people are getting a little bit more creative. Um, um, hopefully children are going outside and playing like we used to. You remember uh, jump rope, double dutch, um, uh, hop walk. Every How about a walk? I'm sorry, yes, a walk, all of that. Yes, nature, just taking it all in, things that are around us that they have not um, been taking in, you know, because of technology in a sense, because they've been on, on video games and um, Instagramming and Snapchatting and things like that. So um, hopefully um, those things are coming out for them in a positive manner. Yeah, I, I would also challenge all the seniors to exercise their agency and in, in, in the process of democracy. Organize your friends and get clear on and ask what actually would be like, we have to talk to them. 
Um, I believe in a natural born genius of every child. And if they are born with a heart and a brain, they can learn and they should have some, you know, an opinion or some say so uh, within, you know, within reason, of course. Um, so I say to all the seniors, you know, get clear on what would be ideal for you, right? Make sure you know, like how to organize your friends and email your principal, go to social media, get clear on your vision. Um, and it may not happen right now, but may, is it a senior trip in the fall when things, you know, when things kind of level out whenever that may be and then hold grown folks accountable to that right have a plan have a strategy so i would love to see our seniors um put to use the very thing that we have been pushing them to do is to think critically organize and elevate the unity and community that so well said i i appreciate that you saying that and i also want to um give a shout out to there's a facebook post that it's called like loving on a senior or love for the class of 2020 where you're able to go and adopt a senior um, and I want to give out a shout out to my adoptee. His name is Lawrence. He is a senior over at North Atlanta High School. And just the way that the community has come together, as Ann was saying, during virtual um, graduations for people, during virtual dissertations. Um, my coworker, uh, Dr. Liz Vijal Cassie, did her dissertation virtually. So just really recognizing that we're, we're shifting the way that we, that, that learning looks. We're shifting the way that we connect. I'm hoping that we not we will not always have to connect through a through a camera. I'm hoping that we'll have some blended ways that we can see each other because I think it is important to have that human touch and to have that human interface. Uh, but also recognizing that if we if we have to make a shift, we have the capabilities of doing so. Now we talked about in regards to uh, the people are now valuing life a little bit more during this pandemic. They're seeing that life, family mm -hmm. is more important than making some money or whatever. So, but we have some issues in regards to domestic violence and child molestation that are increasing during this time now that they have the stay home mandate. How can we reach those children or parents that may be going through this now that the school has closed for the year? There is a platform, um, a, a program um, called Say Something. And uh, Say Something is anonymous. Um, and it's immediate. Um, so um, if anyone, you know, has those concerns of, um, of abuse, mistreatment, um, neglect, um, they can uh, make a, an anonymous say something report. Um, I know um, all of our um, students within Atlanta Public Schools were trained on that um, some time ago. So um, that, that's one option. Um, of course, there are other uh, resources online, too. I think it goes back to also, in addition to what Ann was saying, it goes back to what Anna Shea was saying. If you have a student you haven't contacted, uh, you haven't heard from in, in several weeks or several days, what is the process for reaching out to that student and making sure that you just eat, hear that hear that child and um i think it's going to be really vital um that we start having like cold words for students that they can that can um, mention something in case something happens i want to let you know that this is completely out of my lane i think that this is really reserved for the professionals in this work which are our social workers uh counselors and i think it's important for teachers to know that you don't have to take on that role if you feel like there's something that is, is happening that you need to report just do that you don't have to be responsible for being um the parent, the teacher, the counselor, and all of that in this work, it is our, what you're doing is enough, but just making sure that if you do uh, feel like there's something that's happened, that you make a report, but you don't have to hold that because there's something that's called um, compassion, empathy that will, will drain you as well. So it's important to recognize that you don't have to hold all of that, but just to make sure the, the child gets what 
the child or the parent gets what they need during this time and making a report. That thank you for saying that, Tara. And th- th- thank you both. I think to add to that, so again, this goes back to why education cannot be a perpetuator of dependent thinking, but it had dependent learning. It has to be a perpetuator of independent thinking, right? Giving kids an algorithm for solving whatever problems they come up against in life, right? What is your think, thought process for if someone is doing something negative to you, uh, when they go to sleep, do you understand how to leave that house or where to go and get the support? So that's number one. Number two, this again elevates a bigger issue of how we need to learn how to help teachers leverage education as a weapon against oppression and injustice, right? Assign that writing activity where you can actually begin to deeply understand what a child may be feeling. Read it. You might find clues in that writing piece and you might need to report that on behalf of that child. So again, be intentional while you have this time to support and really elevate the humanity of these babies, right? Have some one-on-one conferences with children. If you've tried three times and you can't reach a child, you better scream like it's your child. And so that's why stabilization has to come first, right? You honor the humanity. You get some rhythm and some norms to make sure their human is good. Because as the heart goes, so does the mind. Mm -hmm. And if they are in trauma, they're not going to learn from your packets or whatever you send in anyway. Mm -hmm. So number two, education should be a weapon against injustice. Give that writing prompt so you can read and start to say, hey, something doesn't seem right Mm -hmm. about what this kid is saying right? Mm -hmm. And be smart and understand how to to get underneath the humanity of a child. It's the same way you develop a relationship with your friends outside of school. As the adult, we do have a moral obligation to ensure the humanity of every child is safe first. And I think it's important before before you jump into teaching, just check in. Mm -hmm. Just something simple as checking in with a student and saying, hey, on a, a scale of one to five, where are you? That's, that's, that's just the way. And then you don't have to check in with that student right then because oftentimes, especially in upper grades, students may get embarrassed. They may tell you the truth, but they may not want you to, to check them during that time. Go back and have, hey, let me check in with you after the fact and say, hey, I noticed that you, you've been on a three for the last two times that we've met. Um, what's going on? Because you prior to you were on fours or you were on fives. I need to know what's going on with you. Is there any way that I can support you? Just that bit of checking in lets the child know that I I see you beyond this academics. Right. And you are important to me beyond this academics. And that doesn't just go for the teachers. That goes for, hey, ask your parent how the parent is doing, the teacher at the home. Let's ask them how they're doing. Let them check in as well. Hey, let your parent check in. We, I do a Saturday school program with 100 Black Men, and our parents are on the line with us. Everybody is checking in, and it's okay to ask the child to say, hey, is your parent okay too? So I think we have to really recognize that we are one in this. We are, we are a full That's village. In this. If, if one of us is sick, the whole village is sick. And I would also give a shout out to my best friend since elementary school, who's also on the line. She's um, a school counselor. I mean, I'm not going to put her on the spot to say anything, but Vanetta, if you're there and you want to like chat in some resources or if you want to say something, um, because I know her role has, is, is uniquely designed to answer that. Um, just want to give her um, a shout out as well. Yes, feel free to do that. For those who are just coming in, we are talking about the partnership of parents with the school and the student. So if you happen to have a question, feel free to put in the chat, raise your hand, and I'll actually put you on so we can do that as well. Now, we were talking about the emotional state of the student as well as the child molestation that could be happening in the current home or domestic violence. 
but let's go back a little bit more into the educational piece. So now I was talking about being that parent who needed assistance in, in the home. How often are those resources available to that parent? And is there a specific time frame they can contact either a teacher or a principal or whomever to assist them? How are those resources available from the school versus just not only getting information from online or Googling it? Go ahead, Tara. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Ann. Oh, I was just going to say, um, for us, our teachers are, are available, actually, just like a regular school day. So um, until about 4 o'clock, um, they, they have class hours for um, each one of their classes, and then they have actual um, tutorial hours. They have live sessions. Um, and also, um, they have uh, Google numbers, so they in out their personal cell phone numbers. They have um, Google numbers, so and students, if they need assistance past that time, they can still contact them um, to um, get clarification or assistance. Um, they made themselves as available as they possibly can um, for students at, during this time because many of our teachers also are um, working from home as um, not only teaching the students, but they have their own young children that they're trying to work through um, the education system with too. So um, there, you know, there are multiple things out there. Um, also, there are resources that are um, listed on schools' websites as far as um, where to get help from just in case you cannot reach one of um, the educators in the building. But um, for many schools, um, administrators, counselors, they've um, provided their contact information just in case they're in need. And, and also, they, we have virtual tutors in Atlanta Public Schools that are... Yeah, they have virtual tutors. That's, that has always been a part of what we've done. Um, and so they have extended their hours. So even after school hours, um, students are able to contact tutors from kindergarten all the way up. So a parent can get assistance that way. Yeah, and I, I think, I know we have some questions in the chat too, but I do want to say the conversation that we just had here, um, as I look at the people that I I know on this call, um, it is so important for us to elevate the role of community-based partnerships, right? Because we actually can't solve this all by ourselves. The, the sum of us is bigger than any one of us. And so I think we do have to be intentional. Like we've talked about wraparound supports in schools. Uh, hello, COVID-19 has showed you, you know, exactly why you need to have the medical institutions, right? right? The families, right? So again, I would just say to, to round this out, like it takes, it truly takes a village. And again, on this call from my high school band director to my mom's best friend, like I had a community wrap their arms around me. My, my younger brother from California is on this call. So again, I just think it's critical to make sure we understand that the collective community is going to be critical moving forward. We have to proactively do that. And I want to say that I have my cousin Taiwana on the line. I have my <laughs> daughter on the line. I also have um, my family in Texas that is on the line, the Worthams and the Makings. And I'm saying that to say that this has been my support system, of course, since I was a little child. And it's interesting that um, my cousin is on the line. Her, She is actually a teacher of students with special needs. She retired as a principal in that role. And so I've always had the opportunity to be able to reach out to people and get the assistance that I need. Um, and I think it's important that you have to have a support system because there's there's going to come a time when you don't know the answer. Right. But if you ask the question, there's somebody around you who can get that answer for you. But you gotta be, you have to be courageous enough to say that you don't know. 
that's where the real courage comes in. That's where the real bravery starts. When you're able to say, I am at the, my rope's end and I don't know all the answers. So I'm going to go to my support group and allow them to help me and then be brave enough to take that help and give credit to the people who were able to help you. And then go back and reach and grab somebody else and pull them up because you've learned a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, since y'all shouting out, I want to shout out my sister is on the line. Hey, from Texas. <laughs> and um, also, uh, it, it, my family's in the background. So uh, that, that's a great thing. <laughs> Family is important. Now I'm going to go into the chat. We have one from Aura Reed. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. She says she read an article today that some states, um, Georgia and Washington, are considering canceling school early because e-learning is too difficult. Do you think that is a good idea? Oh, <laughs> so I can tell you Atlanta public schools will not be canceling um, e-learning early. We are going to the very last day. We actually have three weeks of school left. Um, but I can't, I, I, I will say that I think that, um, that what we did do is make an adjustment. So there's learning Monday through Thursday because we, everybody recognized that there needed to be a time where the students could just reach out to teachers and get some one-on-one -on -one help on Fridays. And also the teachers needed the time to debrief and to breathe and to catch up on all the work that was happening during the week. So that adjustment has already been made. With that being said, I think it um, has shortened the school, school, school week for students, but we are still going through the school day. But I can tell you on this Friday that all of our seniors will be cleared for graduation, which is... Um, earlier than normal to ensure that we can, if there are any seniors who may be falling through the cracks, that they have one more week to get caught up so we can ensure that everybody is able to graduate um, and, and, and is seen as a high school um, graduate, as mm -hmm. high school graduate. So there have been some adjustments based on, we know that there's been some stress around this e-learning. Yeah, I shout out to Dr. Olivine Robertson and the APS crew. I just Dr. Roberts, I, I just love APS. Um, I also think so. Here's there's deficit language in in like this framing of e-learning being too difficult anyway. So too difficult for who? Because kids use technology all the time. So stop playing with me. Actually, what you're trying to say is we didn't plan correctly. Sorry, children, we didn't critically think about certain things. Right? Why we cannot plan everything? Kids been using technology, getting written up for it, and sent home. Now who knows more about technology, right? So, like, I think there's just deficit in the language of e-learning being too difficult for who. Um, that's interesting. I think you do also have to partner with experts like we have Dr. Menzies on the line. We have Dr. Fenton on the line who know culturally responsive pedagogy. And so, again, this is where the sum comes in. E-learning e has to look different. Right. How many of us did online, you know, Elena, you taught college, right? E-learning looks different. So what you would do in the course of a six to eight hour day, ain't nobody sitting at no computer doing that. Right. So is it too difficult for kids? That's relative to whoever is the author of the narrative. Right. I don't have an answer, but I will say that, again, we have to partner in ways with cross sector leaders to understand what is appropriate for the context and culture of your district. And culture is everything, not race. So, like, let make sure we're clear about that too. Um, but again, APS, like, I, I just, I just think they have some of the dopest women there and dopest leaders there. So, Look at shout that. out to APS. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> but also, I think it, um, ahead, we have to um, look at it um, with compassion too. Um, because um, I did see a um, note in the um, chat box about um, canceling because of the stress. 
Um, but when teachers teach with compassion, um, they take that into account and um, they try to keep their students encouraged and keep keep a balance without stressing them. At least that that's the hope, but um, also being compassionate in um, what's um, uh, expected for um, students and their situation, being respectful of their situations because they have some different situations. Um, uh, some of them are um, in uh, traumatic situations. Um, and on another note, my, my sister said my mom is on the line. So I just wanted to um, say, uh, yes, that's the, um, <laughs> um, so um, compassion is, is very important because our kids won't learn if they're uh, traumatized um, or stressed out. So um, that, you know, I just wanted to put that out there. And I think it is, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because I think it is important for students to recognize, listen, they just may be exhausted. Um, and, and and you just may have to take a break. You may just mm-hmm. have to take a break from the e-learning, which I'm glad, which I'm glad APS has decided to go to those four days so that students can get that additional break and maybe break that fifth day up into um, deciding how they can catch up if they weren't able to do everything that Monday through Thursday, because there may be an op- uh, some situations where people are sharing, so they don't have this time or they're staying up late because it's or a younger child had to use it during the day and the older child has to use it late at night. And so there has to be a, a balance. Um, I think my daughter asked, do, do you think it's vital for students for, for with the coronavirus for people to go outside? I think it's vital for people to go outside in their yards. Like I think it's important for people mm-hmm. to take a, take a step outside and get some mm-hmm. fresh air and to just breathe. And when class is over, school is over and to set it down. Um, yeah. That, yeah. Go ahead, Anisha. You know, so one of the um, listeners uh, texted me, my cousin, shout out to uh, Nicole, Gina Tran. She's um, an amazing special education teacher. But she brought a good point. In her district, they're closing early because of the balance, right? It's actually, and to me, that's a different narrative, right? If it's too emotionally draining, right, and it's been traumatic or whatever the situation, that's different. But a lot of times we have to be careful saying it's too tough well, that's not the comprehensive story, right? It's emotionally taxing and there's a, comp- and, and so what she also mentioned was that, um, but they're still providing one-on-one help and tutoring until the end of the year for oh kids who need it. So again, that's why districts need to talk to each other to understand, to elevate the bright spots. We've exasperated a lot of the challenges, but what will move us forward and close learning gaps, not achievement gaps, because I think kids can achieve. I think it looks differently right? But it's the learning gaps that are exasperated. I think we need to talk to one another to understand what District A is doing differently from District B um, to really be equitable and meet the needs of, of diverse student populations. Um, so being a student, I will have to disagree with you. Um, it is more than just emotional. When teachers, yeah, the class, the school is over, but teachers are asking a lot from not just yeah. after school, but it, it, it just... It, sometimes you you know you sleep in and then you're not done work until six six o'clock at night so it's not it's too much work I feel as if you're not you don't give as much as that at at school and half the stuff they're not even putting in the grade book so why are you asking me to do it if you're not even going to look at it you know that that's just preach baby that will be my child that's my child preach baby so that will be my daughter that's my daughter and 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 i will agree with her in some instances there have been some teachers who have given way given more work than they were given when they were actually um in in the classroom and so i think it needs to be a balance that it's not 
well, I'm trying to make sure you learn every single thing that you're missing because yes. I'm not standing in front of you. A lot of what you would have done with students would have been a participation or you would have gone through it fully with them. And it's not maybe something that you can give to them as a supplemental learning, catch it up on your own. So I think teachers have to have that balance. And as parents, we have to say, listen, you, are, you, you can be an advocate for your child. We are going to decide what can and cannot be done. I know we just can't get through all of this, but, but if you choose to do that, all that you have to do is let the teacher know. We are partners in this. Teachers are, they understand. They will work with you. Let's not think we're fighting against each other. So we're figuring this out as teachers too. We may be making some mistakes. So hey, just give us some feedback in a way that doesn't sound like you're interrogating us or being aggressive toward the work that we're trying. We're trying our hardest. Yeah. So, but so as that's, a parent, you get that right. So that's what I, in the, in the beginning, that was my point, right? You don't have to know how to do everything. You have to have a clear ass, right? And you have to kind of get clear on what. So to your point, Tara, and to your baby's point, that is actually a liberated child. That is a child who knows how to exercise their agency. And what I'm saying is for my children, they learn nine to 12. My six-year-old gets up and does a unity circle first. They sing, they do words of affirmation to the ancestors. From there, they do 15 minutes here of independent learning, another 25 minutes. So again, parents have to get clear on what actually, what a quality learning experience looks like in a virtual setting does not look the same in a classroom setting. And so that's why I'm empowering you all to know asynchronous versus synchronous learning because they'll throw some language out there and the average parent doesn't know. It is a balance. It really is a balance with children. And so to your baby, that's what I'm talking about. We need about 200 more of you <laughs> that will speak up and say these packets sometimes are foolishness, right? Because it's busy work and you don't have to do it. Instead, give a project that is meaningful read a book that you could not read before because you didn't you had to keep up with the pacing of standards so actually i'm actually agreeing with your baby and saying can we yell at times 25 to people making decisions who are disconnected from the mental and emotional strain kids and parents who are happen to be some of us teachers are going through i love what miss reed said in the um chat box about in terms of balance she said i understand brooke's perspective we have to remember that throughout the school day Students have a different structure because they can socialize with their friends and interface with multiple adults. These breaks are built in formally and naturally. It, that's, thank you for saying that. And that's what we have to recognize is that, there, that we have that opportunity for people to interface and we, we can't forget that piece. We have a question so thank you. for um, Missy Roosevelt Winters. Let me see, you can unmute yourself if you have a question. Go ahead, Roosevelt. All right, thanks. Thank you so much, uh, guys. You guys are doing a wonderful job. I appreciate it. I had to say something only because uh, I'm an MBA guy and I'm from pharmaceutical sales and now I work for the county running for a position out here. But my daughter uh, is a teacher. Uh, she's in her third or fourth year of teaching, chemistry degree. Shout out to Valdosta State. But she's in Tennessee. And I want to I echo one sentiment of a word, trauma. You know, these are triggering events for a lot of teachers. And uh, when we say that the school system is ending early and, you know, it's stress, we have to remember that. And I like what someone else says when they say unity in the community. My daughter said something to me that struck, that, that stuck with me since she said it, which was, I think it's been about eight months ago now. She said, Dad, I see why people have midlife crisis. And I was like, Brianne, what, what are we talking about? I said, you've been teaching now three years. 
and but she's right at 35 years old and that bothered me because I'm, I'm praying for her now and now what, what we're going through along with the school system and politics and so on and so forth uh, we have to remember that trauma works on all sides yes to our teachers to our students and shout out to the baby that said something sometimes it's too much to bear uh you know shout out to somebody that said just go outside and take a walk my wife has been taking care of kids in georgia we're in covington georgia i'm with elena and uh, we have a five-year-old in this house that's in a private school that's now transitioned to online and we all are stressed up in here yes <laughs> and uh we have to really uh, pay attention to that. And this child, this five-year-old child, my RJ, my godson, his mom is in law enforcement. Trauma. Mm-hmm. We're going through some trauma right now because uh, we're both having some technological issues. Uh, I got on the line because I wanted my wife to hear it. I want to have a conversation after this with my daughter because it does take a village uh, in, in respect to the parents, the teachers, the students. The whole night, y'all. So I, I'm just, I'm elated to be on the call, uh, but I think we need to have more resources. I'm writing this stuff down on the board when it comes to uh, castle.org, mm-hmm. uh, classroom. This is for my wife because her and my uh, godson's mom, they're going through the ringer with some of this stuff because, like I said, mm-hmm. school resources are different. You know, you're paying for it, but resources are different, even with the private school system. So, yeah. Uh, you know, just my, my thing is trauma. And we have, sometimes you have to end it early. Sometimes you just have to just walk outside, you know, because it, he's like, his teachers tells him he's five. Don't drive him too hard. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's important for us to recognize this trauma and our lovely counselors. I was a sub mentor, volunteer. I did all of that. Uh, thinking about going into the school system. It didn't work for me. I came from pharmaceutical sales and business and warehouse management and logistics. It did not work for me because I came from, the, I'm 52 years old. I came from the mindset of, oh, okay, you need some discipline. Let me lay hands. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do it. So thank you guys. Yes. Thank, thank you. you for that. Thank you. And Ms. Ara Reed talked about that um, being the community connections that are related to mental health issues. And I also want to mention compassion fatigue is real. Like compassion fatigue, when you care so much about other people that you take on their burden and you bring that home, that's real. That's really, really real. And, and we have to be cautious of that. And trauma, I don't know anybody who hasn't experienced trauma. And now everybody has experienced trauma. If you are alive during this time right. period, you are in a state of trauma. Everything that you know is considered normal it is no longer the same. So we are because, all in the state of trauma. Because everybody's in trauma, isn't that a great idea to just close schools if teachers <laughs> are going through stress and the students? Why yes, are schools hard? Open? Yes, sometimes. So yes. I can tell you why, Brooke, I can tell you why schools may be open because some students still need that connection. Some students need to see a teacher every single day. Some students need to connect with their students in the classroom learning environment. Some students need to see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because I see the smile on my teacher's face and who's asking me how I'm doing, who cares about me, and who's still making sure I know a little bit more than I learned yesterday. And if I take that away from some students, they will be in a dark place. So we got to provide them with a little bit of light by being able to um, interface with the human being outside of their home each day. So that's why you're going to be on that call tomorrow morning, lady. (laughs) 
And I want to add to that too, again, this is what I'm excited about. You know, my organization, Disruptive Partners in Education, it is for everybody at every level. It's about how to support the kid, the family, the teacher, the school leader. It's a safe place to really think about the inequities that have been happening, um, causing us a, a really traumatic situation for everybody at every level, right? I will also um, make sure that Elena gets the information to uh, doc, Dr. Swift, Dewana Swift, who is my children's therapist. They actually have virtual therapy appointments every week mm -hmm. with her. And next week we have a family um, meeting via Zoom. And then Dr. Truth, who is my therapist, um, I meet with her. And so again, that has been taboo in the black community to talk about proactive mental health, right? We are traumatized from racial trauma all the way to, you know, being a woman to being a black man, like all of these things happening in our community. Um, so I just encourage, we proactively as a family um, see therapists even prior to, but now we just make sure we do it uh, more frequently instead of biweekly or once a month. Now we do it every week virtually. Mm -hmm. And so my six-year-old does play therapy where so, you know, they can watch her play and out of that playing comes a ton of things versus um, what my son and his experience is like. So I will be sure to share that information. Thank you. And when you mentioned uh, quickly about how schools will be different, we're going to have to build in that piece where yeah. we're actually spending time meeting the social and emotional needs of students before we try to even access the curriculum. We're going to have to spend some time doing that. And not just the needs of children, but the needs of every staff member who walks into that building. Every staff member is going to have to be met with a sense of how do we meet the social emotional needs of this person before we send them out to stand in front of our students. Because wounded people will hurt more wounded people. So we need to have some whole people stand in front of some, of some whole children so that we can have a whole community. That's how I heard you talk about the... Uh, community as well as Anashe and Anne, Anne was talking about the community and Roosevelt. How important now, I know we're winding down, how important is the community now and what does that community look like? I think it's been the saving grace for some places. Yes. I mean, it's always, it always has been and I just think people are really getting back to the roots. Like this, that's what we recognize is in during this space, you can't go far. So all you have is what's right around you. And then just really, I think we, rejoining and realigning with the people who are in your area who can be your support. Oh yeah. Um, so many things are coming into alignment. Um, not only neighbors helping neighbors, strangers helping strangers. Um, um, if we go to nature, look at how nature's been healing. Like um, I think I read um, that a, a portion of the ozone was recently healed um, on our Georgia coast. We had um, our sea turtles actually laying eggs and their babies getting into the sea, um, something they haven't been able to do in a long time because of us, because of the human beings interfering. So um, there are a lot of things that are coming into play. Some of the family units are getting stronger. Um, some are being exposed so that we can assist um, uh, in helping. Um, but it's gonna it's coming back together, although it still needs help, but at least it's being exposed, so we'll know uh, where to address some of those concerns. Yeah, I agree. It's not a one size fits all. Um, what I'm most passionate about are community based institutions of learning, which work in partner or in tandem with districts, but not for the districts, mm -hmm. right? Because I think again, you need the wraparound, the health, you need, you need comprehensive supports because the brain cannot learn if it is consistently being 
traumatized. Um, I think we also have to be careful. Um, CNN released the article today saying that actually some kids are doing much better because they're not dealing with the trauma that school um, had exasperated on kids. For some kids, it was traumatic going to school. Mm -hmm. However, these are parents who know how to demand certain things from the system. So what I say to every parent is take a pause, observe, get clear on what's working, what's not working. My son now, he, he only wants to go back to school to do band and sports. He's like, if I can do half of my day online, like he had never been exposed to learning like this before. Um, so I just beg parents to get clear on a vision, a larger than life vision for what an excellent experience could look like for your child. Organize, be in community with one another and demand it. That's awesome. Very good. I, I know we're definitely winding down. I want to get Brooke's question. She said, when we go back to school, and I actually have the same question. When we go back to school, how do we think it would change, especially for the teacher who had the coronavirus? As I, before we got on the call, we were having a uh, conversation and, and school will never look the same as it did March 12, 2020. So that was the last day that we know of school as we know school. And to be honest with you, Brooke, I'm not sure exactly how, how it's going to change. I don't know what social distancing is going to look like. I don't know how classroom environments will be set. Um, that's just something that we're going to have to work out. I think what I do know, though, is that we're going to all have to be open-minded until how education looks. Um, right now, I don't know the answer to that question because we're still trying to work that out. But I do know this that what we thought was traditional school and the only way that we thought school could work, I know that that's not, that's not true anymore. That I do know that we've debunked that myth that school can only happen one way. And so there's definitely going to be a shift in how we think about what school really is and where school really happens. Right. Well, you guys, I want to thank you so much for this time and, and the opportunity to get on and talk. And thank you, Brooke, student. I wanted to yes. come on so we could hear your side as well. <laughs> as well as all of those professionals that are in the room. Um, if, if anybody wants to speak or say anything, I'll allow this opportunity. You can unmute yourself right quick before we dismiss. If there's anybody that would like to speak, I'll give you a few seconds. Anybody? Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in the first Let's Chat series. We're going to do more of these as well. Um, I'm going to talk next to the business owners and how they're actually operating during coronavirus is very important. But the first thing I want to definitely touch was education because our children are our future. I know it's cliche, but that's what it is. And we want to make sure that they are doing okay during this time as well as the parent and see how they're transitioning during this time. So I want to thank everybody. I think I heard somebody. Somebody wants to say something at the moment. There's something in the chat box. Oh, in the chat box. Okay, I heard. I heard some. I saw somebody unmute themselves. So well, I wanted to say Brooke for president. I got to figure out how we get Brooke. Like me and Brooke need to go on the road. That's what I'm talking about. So yeah. we can we can talk offline. Understand? We can talk online about how to make that happen. Well, again, everybody, thank you so much. We're gonna have this rebroadcast. Also, it's gonna be on iHeartRadio and Spotify, so you can go back and listen. It. It's also right now broadcasting on Facebook Live, and it'll be reposted if you want to come back and, and listen to some of the information. Thank you to Miss Ann Head, Mrs. Ann Head, Tara Shelton, Anna Shea Wright for coming in. Are there any final words, ladies, that you would like to say before we dismiss? I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out and shared with us and thank you for inviting us to be a part of this and thank you to my um, panelists. I and I know Anne, but I'm so glad to have met you on the show and I'm hoping that we can work together again.
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Vote for Elena. <laughs> yes. I'm petty. <laughs> Yes, please vote for Elena. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone. You guys have a great evening. Stay tuned to the Let's Chat series. Also, follow these ladies on social networks. I'm pretty sure they'll allow you to ask some questions right after. I want to make sure I put that out there. Uh, They are professionals in the industry. They know what they're doing. So please feel free to reach out. If you didn't want to talk on the call, you can reach them out individually. They're all on social social media. If you want to yell out your social media right quick before we dismiss. First Lady Head, Twitter. At Tar Shelton, SEL, Twitter. At Disruptive Partners, Facebook and IG, Twitter. All right. Thank you guys so much. You have a great evening. Stay safe. Still practice social distancing. And God bless everyone. Good night. Good night. night. This is your girl, Elena Sanders, with 101.9 Interstate Live Radio, giving you the news you can use while you're cruising down the interstate. And I want to share some information with you, let you know that Interstate Live Radio is on 19 plus networks. That's including iTunes, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Breaker, Amazon, and many, many more. Tune in. You want to make sure you stay tuned in to us as we are giving you the news you can use while you're cruising, as well as some valuable information with great interviews, authors, music producers, and so much more. Stay tuned. Stay locked. None other than 101.9 Interstate Live Radio. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.